0: Hi, I'm Wayne Hineson, the pastor of Grace Church Australia. Thanks so much for checking out this podcast. We hope it is inspirational and it equips you to make known the name of Jesus. You can stay connected with us during the week by going to gracegathering.online. Well, welcome and welcome to those that are joining us online. Uh, It's Mission Sunday, so I am very, very excited. But I'm excited because of this. We are people with a purpose We are a church with a cause. We are on a mission. Our mission is this. It is to make Jesus known. Talk to your neighbour and say, it is to make Jesus known. If you're at home, online, say to the screen, to make Jesus known. That is the purpose. That is who we are individually. That is who we are collectively. And that is who we are as a church. From Morissette to Madagascar, we are to make Jesus known. From Bonnells Bay to Broome, we are to make Jesus known. From Sunshine to Sri Lanka, you guessed it, we are to make Jesus known. That's why as a church, in our vision statement, it says very clearly, we put it right at the front, seek first the kingdom of God. What are we as a church? What are we here for? What are we here to do? Grace Church exists to make Jesus known. That is why we exist. That is who we are as a church. That is what we are called to do. So wherever you are, whatever you're doing, wherever you're going, at every opportunity, we should make Jesus known. That does not mean we grab our Bibles and we bash people over the heads because that doesn't work. It does not work. But our purpose, our assignment, our cause, our mission, is to make Jesus known. That is who we are as a church. That is who you are if you are a follower of Christ. The church should not be the best kept secret. Jesus should not be the best kept secret. Everyone should know about him. And so that is the heart of our Missions Month. That is why uh, one month of the year, we dedicate what we as a church are doing when it comes to Missions Global missions, local missions, those kind of things. We have the honour as the church, as the bride of Christ, we have the honour to represent Jesus. I don't know if you understand how valuable and precious that is. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, says, I want you to represent me. I'm going to talk about this at the end of the month. Scripture talks about us as ambassadors of Christ. And in the world, if you are an ambassador, that's a pretty special thing. We are in the world, but we're not of the world. We are ambassadors for a higher power. His name is Jesus. Never underestimate the value of that. Never underestimate the role that you and I have when it comes to representing him in our community, in our nation, and in the nations of the world. So my message today is called Prepare the Way. If you've got your Bibles, we're going to spend some time in Mark chapter 1 if you want to turn there. But as we start Missions Month, I want to remind you that missions is not just for those weird people living in far-flung places. That's not what missions is. That's an element of missions and I have been there and I've done that with my wife and then my kids for a decade and it's fantastic and we love it. But there are many, many missions fields and not all of them require you to jump on a plane to get there. As the church, we all have a role to play. And it's all about your mindset. It's all about saying something like this. I am the church... And I have been given a role to play when it comes to making Jesus known. Because do you know what we can be really good at sometimes? We can be really good at looking at the person next to us or across the road from us or in the other church and think they've got it covered. I don't need to do anything. They're all sorted. They're a bigger church with more resource so they can do it all. No, that's not true at all. They have a role to play, we have a role to play, and you have a role to play. Doesn't matter if you're young or old, male or female, rich or poor, educated or otherwise, God is wanting to use you to make known the name of Jesus. Amen? Are you excited? We all are missionaries, we all have a mission field. Some of those are overseas. I've you know, been honoured to serve in the South Pacific and in Southeast Asia for a number of years. I know there's others here that have gone for short trips or longer trips and have had that overseas missions experience. But wherever somebody does not know Jesus, that is a mission field. Simple as that. That's what a mission field is. We represent Jesus in this world that we live in. And that could be, To our nosy neighbours. You've got a nosy neighbour and they pop over the fence to see what's going on. Say, hey, do you know Jesus? Might not pop over your fence again. (laughs) Or, you know, maybe it's um, gossiping friends at the gym. You know, you finish one of your gym classes and they're all kind of gossiping. How about you bring, bring Jesus into that? because you are his representative. You are representing him there at those gym, at that gym. And what about those family members that grate you the wrong way? We've all got one or more of those. You know that family member that's really hard to get along with? So you think I won't invite them to the family do? I heard a no in the crowd and I have heard before, this is not my heart, but I've heard before, that if you say no, then you're the one, you're that family member. I don't know if that's true or not. I don't think there's any empirical evidence to say that. But we have to, as a church, as followers of Jesus, we have to realize that there are people all around us that do not know Jesus. But here's another truth I want for you this morning. We don't get to pick and choose our mission field. God deliberately puts us in a place, and often it can be an uncomfortable place, but he puts us there to represent him. We all have a tendency, I think it's human nature, to just want to go to places that are known or places that are comfortable. But that's not where the church needs to be. The church needs to be in places that are uncomfortable. People are hurting and they're hiding it really well. People are struggling, but they've learnt to disguise it. It's people that, uh, it's a challenge for them just to get through each day. They're not going to come out and say that just straight to your face the first time they meet you. Oh, hi, I'm Wayne. How are you going? Oh, yeah, my name's Jim. How are you going, Jim? Well, I'm really struggling. This is happening, this is happening, this is happening. Do you know what the default is? Yeah, I'm good. That's the mask that people are hiding behind. But we as the church have an opportunity to get beyond that. They might disguise it well. They might put on, you know, a brave face. They might appear like they have it all together. But the truth is, appearances are deceiving. And God sees beyond that. He sees the condition of their heart. And he knows that we, the church have something to offer people that are struggling like that. That's why he puts us into those places. And that's not because we've got it all together. Because the reality is, I won't speak for you, but I'll speak for me. I don't have it all together. I've got my own stuff that I'm dealing with. But as I seek first the kingdom of God, as I offer myself as his ambassador, as his representative, God says, I can use you. I can use you because you're available. It's not about how good you are. It's not about your Bible college degree. It's not about any of that sort of stuff. Availability is so very important when it comes to being used by God. All right. So Mark chapter 1 is our passage for this morning. So I just want to read through six verses, and then what we're going to do is break down, have a look at it, and apply that to missions. All right. Verse 1. This is the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. It began just as the prophet Isaiah had written, Look, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare your way. Here's a voice shouting in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. This messenger was John the Baptist. He was in the wilderness and preached that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. All of Judea, including all the people of Jerusalem, went out to see and hear John, and when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. Now, that's a, a good chunk, and it continues in terms of uh, a couple of verses after that. But what I want to do is just spend a bit of time going through them and having a look at some of the verses that are there this morning and seeing how that relates to our missions program here at Grace Church. So our missions program is called Grace Gives, and uh, we've been running it for um, a number of years. But today is all about what we're doing as a church, but how you can be involved. Because without you, there is no Grace Gives missions program. There just isn't. Because God wants to use you and He wants to use me. He wants to use our church to play our role when it comes to furthering the kingdom of God. So in verse 1... We read, this is the good news about Jesus. The good news about Jesus. And I probably don't need to remind you, but we live in a world right now that could do with some good news. There's a war going on in Ukraine. Just past 100 days doesn't appear to be anywhere close to stopping. Can we agree that isn't good news? What are some of the other things? Tens of millions of people are starving, experiencing severe levels of food insecurity and malnutrition in places like Nigeria, South Sudan, Somalia, Yemen. Tens of millions of people. The global pandemic shattered many people's security. They had security in the things of the world that was taken away from them. Now they're sort of just drifting, don't really know where their security is to be found. We do. Security in Christ, the promise maker and the promise keeper. Is that not good news that the world needs to hear? Stop them drifting and get them on the right course. Rising interest rates, food prices are going through the roof. I went shopping yesterday. It's like, oh, hold on. <laughs> Might have to eat less in our house. Um, You know, electricity, petrol, the list goes on and on and on. We live in a world where at the moment it feels like we are just surrounded by bad news. So how much relevance is there to be a voice that brings the good news about Jesus, that brings an alternate narrative, that brings a different conversation into the world? we are the church. We have that news at our fingertips. And that's exactly what John the Baptist does. He says, I'm bringing good news. I'm bringing good news. And so he does that. But the thing that I love is that he steps out of his comfort zone. He doesn't stay just, you know, where it's comfortable for him. He steps out of his comfort zone. And if we skip ahead to verse 2, we'll see that um, the, the prophecy from Isaiah 40, it's mentioned again in Malachi 3, is retold here in John chapter 1, sorry, Mark chapter 1, verse 2. It began just as the Isaiah prophet had written. Look, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, and he will do what? He will prepare the way. He is preparing the way. He is getting people ready. Because Jesus is coming. Grab hold of that. John the Baptist is preparing the way. Now, prior to this, God had been silent for 300 years. For 300 years, there had been no prophecy spoken at all. It's like God had just had a really long afternoon nap. Because nothing was being spoken to anybody. And so, after a 300-year silence, I'm thinking that the Lord is going to say something very, very important. You ever done a fast? You know, done like a 21-day fast? And you get to the end, and you're like, Oh, I can have something to eat now. You have something that you have been longing to have for 21 days. For some, that could be a coffee. Of course, that's not me. Could be chocolate. Could be a nice steak, whatever it is. But after a long time of fasting, you go to the important thing to you. This is exactly what the Lord is doing here. 300 years of silence. Then He's got a message to speak again. And you can be guaranteed that this is an important message. And that phrase is repeated again in verse 3. Here's a voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way. Listen up, guys. I haven't spoken for three centuries, but listen up, get ready. John the Baptist is preparing the way. Why? The Lord is coming. Can you see the importance of the role that John the Baptist is playing. He has something to say. God broke his extended extended silence because something significant had to be spoken. We need to grab hold of the importance of that. But John knew that he had a role to play. John definitely knew that, that he had a role to play when it came to furthering the kingdom of God. What was his role? His role was to prepare the people. His role was to be a messenger and to tell people about the Messiah, the Son of God, who was coming. What was John's role in essence? It was to make Jesus known. That's what John the Baptist was doing. The Messiah is coming get ready. Jesus is coming. The Lord is coming. Get ready. No different than our role in 2022. Yes, his mission field looked a lot different than yours and mine. But at the center, the call of John the Baptist, the call of you and me, was all about Jesus. It was all about making Jesus known. Softening the hearts and the minds to the truth of the gospel. Preparing the way. And nothing has changed in the 2,000 or so years since then and now. That is still the role of the ambassadors and of the representatives of Jesus. It is to prepare the way so that Jesus can be made known in the hearts and the minds of people that are far from him. I don't know about you, but I think that's such a privilege. Such a privilege to be able to do that. So for us as a church and for you, what does that look like in 2022? Can I just say from the outset, it probably doesn't mean you need to dress like John did and head out to the wilderness. It possibly could, but I won't uh, I won't necessarily go there. But it does mean you need to go. You need to go. Now, I'll frame that for you. But let's go to verse 3. And have a look where John was actually undertaking ministry. He has a voice shouting, in the wilderness. In the wilderness. Now, what is the wilderness in this sense? It's a literal wilderness, but I think for you and for me, it's a metaphor to mean anywhere that the gospel hasn't been heard. That is the wilderness. The wilderness is a vast empty space, a vast empty space where Jesus is not known. That could be your street. That could be the next suburb along. There are many places that are in a wilderness type area right now because Jesus is not there. I love John because he didn't remain in the comfort of home. He decided, you know what? I'm going to go where the people need to hear about the Messiah. So he goes into the wilderness. And very much that's been the heart of this church for a number of years. If you had been with us at a, as one of our services when we were still at Cam Close, you would know up on the walls, we had this big banner. It had three words on it. It said, beyond the walls. And that was very much about saying, us as a church, we need to go out from where we are into the wilderness areas in our region to make Jesus known. That hasn't changed. The banner is somewhere, maybe in a storage container, a shipping container. I don't actually know where it is, but it's somewhere, and uh, we might see it again. But that's all about having a missional mindset. That's all about saying, I will go where God asked me to go and represent him and prepare the way so that people can come to know Jesus because I'm maybe a bit like you I like to stay in the comfortable places I like to stay where things are easy at this time of year where things are warm isn't it easier to stay in your warm house with your air conditioning on than to go out into the cold and the wind chill and all that kind of stuff That's just a picture for you of what we can be like when we're the church. We just want to stay in the places that are comfortable, that are known. And if we go to, um, it's it's Romans 15. Um, I love what Paul writes, verse 20. Here's what he says. My ambition has always been to preach the good news where the name of Christ has never been heard. Then goes on to say, rather than where a church has already been started by someone else. I think the church generally has been very good saying, let's just pack, you know, set up next to this church that's already here. When there are many, many places where the name of Jesus hasn't even been spoken. There's no need to make Jesus known to people who already know Jesus. That might be common sense, but I don't think the outworking sometimes in the church reflects that. I was in Cairns for a couple of days this week, and in Cairns there's a whole lot of sugarcane, a whole lot of fields with sugarcane. Do you know in all the driving I did around in two days, I did not see one farmer planting in the fields where the sugarcane was. I did not see them sowing seed in a field where things were already growing. But sometimes we do that, don't we, if we're honest? We have a tendency to do that in the church. This you might find a little controversial, but stick with me. There's no point telling someone about Jesus for the hundredth time if they've rejected him 99 times already. It doesn't mean that we give up on them. But if, they're hard, if their heart is hard, or their mind is set against God, it doesn't matter how many times we tell them about Jesus, they will not accept him until there's a softening of their heart, until there's a change of mindset. And the only one who will achieve that is the Holy Spirit. So there has to come a point when we say as families, as individuals, as a church, we have sown enough into this person. Now we're going to pray for them. Because we they know about Jesus. You've told them about him many, many times. So the way that you're going to see breakthrough is by praying and praying and praying and allowing God to do his thing in their heart or their mind. And then the great thing is they will come to you and they will say, oh, you know how you've been telling me about Jesus? I I just want want to know a little bit more. Can you tell me a little bit more? I hope you're still with me. We need to follow John's lead, and we need to go to places where the gospel hasn't been heard. To homes and families and workplaces, communities and nations where Jesus is not known. I want to encourage you to be deliberate about going to the wilderness places rather than the places that are comfortable. Because for John, the message is so important, and his desire for people to hear it is so great that he quite literally is shouting the gospel. Verse 3. Here is a voice shouting in the wilderness. Now, I'm not suggesting when your nosy neighbour pops their head over the fence that you shout at them. But I think you start to see the importance of the role that John has. He's in the wilderness. People might be far, far away. He wants them to hear the gospel. He says, how do I make that happen? I know. I will shout about Jesus. Remember, I'm preparing the way. I'm telling them that the Lord is coming. The Messiah is on his way. So he does that passionately. He speaks the truth out loudly, passionately, so that people can hear it when we lived in Vanuatu and we did a lot of village ministry and it'd be in these big open areas and everyone would sit on the side and at the back. So you had, if you imagine, you know, like a football field, you've got everyone on the side and down the back and everywhere in front of you is just empty space. It's empty. It's like, you know, you're kind of just talking to this wall like this, you know, and... You need to speak to those that are on the edge. And often it was dark, so they're kind of like hiding in the dark. So, you know, if it was a night, you know, night ministry or something like that. And so you've got to speak to where they're at. And so they were on the edge, so you had to speak louder. You had to shout so they could actually hear what it was that you were saying. We didn't have PAs and all that sort of stuff a lot of the time. So it's about going, what was relevant to that situation? Now, I don't need to shout here this morning because I've got a microphone and you're close. But people that are far away, sometimes we need to raise the volume a bit if they're in the wilderness so they actually hear what we're saying. And can I remind you, there are many, many noises and voices in this world that we live that want to drown out the truth of the gospel, that want to shout down the name of Jesus. Let's be a church that is loud. I think for too long, the church has actually been scared to shout the good news about Jesus. I think it's been scared. And so what it has done is it's offered the world a stripped down, watered down, diluted version of the gospel to the point where people that don't know Jesus go, "Eh, it doesn't seem too much different. What's the difference between that and how I'm living? And so they don't see the attractiveness of the gospel. It brings confusion and it leaves them wondering, do I actually need Jesus? If I'm just a good person, isn't that enough? But as John shouts out the good news about Jesus, he's there in the wilderness, he's shouting out, something absolutely amazing happens. It absolutely does. People came from everywhere. And not only that, their lives were transformed Verse 5 says this, all of Judea, including all the people of Jerusalem, went out to see and hear John. John says, prepare the way. The Messiah is coming. People are like, oh, that sounds good. They're flocking to John to hear the gospel. Did he water it down? Did he whisper it? No, he shouted out the truth of God. And it was attractive to people. So they came from everywhere to hear the message and then they confessed their sins and they were baptised in the Jordan River. You tell me the gospel is not attractive? That's a lie. Because it is. It didn't scare people away. It drew them to God through John the Baptist. That's what it did. Lives were transformed never to be the same again. And why did it happen? Because one man said, I will go to the wilderness and I will shout about Jesus until people hear the truth. You could be John the Baptist in 2022. You are a messenger of the Lord. And I know for us as a church, you know, we've spoken about this numerous times as you know, we hopefully step into our building in the next couple of months we really feel that the presence and the sound of God will radiate out from that building into the offices, into the shops, into the car park, at the train station. And people, just like here in Mark 1 verse 5, they will hear, they will feel the presence of God and they will be drawn to him. They will be drawn to him. They will see and hear about Jesus, and their lives will never be changed again. But, John's message, the important thing about John's message is this. It wasn't about John. John never said, hey guys, here I am, come and hear me speak. What did John do? he continually pointed people to Jesus. He was seeing great fruit from his ministry, but he always kept Jesus at the center. John knows that he is just a messenger, that he is to prepare the way for people to meet the Messiah. And in verse 7, here's what he says. Someone is coming soon who is greater than I am. So much greater than I'm not even worthy to stoop down like a slave and untie the straps of his sandals. John continually points people to Jesus. When we go, whether that's next door, whether that's across the street, or whether that's somewhere else, it's never about people following us, it's never about people following you, it's not about inviting people to church. It's not about following a church or a pastor because all of those things have issues and faults and will let you down because none of them are perfect. But Jesus is perfect. Always has been, always will be. And that is why we as the church need to point people to him. That is why John the Baptist said, look, I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. That's how much of a sinner I am. But I can point you to him. I can introduce you to Jesus. I can help you to meet him and have your life transformed. You will not transform a life. The church will not transform a life. But Jesus will. Jesus is the one who will transform. And that is why we prepare the way. Any mighty move of God, any wave of revival, any community transformation uh, begins with that preparation. That's how it begins. So I would love you to be prayerful about the wilderness places that you can go to in your area the places where the name of Jesus is not known and share the true gospel. The true gospel brings freedom. The true gospel breaks chains. The true gospel brings hope for the future and healing for the present. That's what the true gospel does. Reach out to a neighbour. Ask someone if you can pray for them. There's many ways that you can go. I wrote here, remember the gospel is not just for church people the gospel isn't just for you and me let's not be greedy and hold it to ourselves amen so we also in terms of going you would know that the last couple of years have been very disrupted and borders have been closed and all that kind of stuff so we do hope to be able to um you know provide some opportunities beyond local missions that will be our focus you know moving forward but um you know we we want to you know provide opportunities to go to places like Madagascar or Sri Lanka or Vanuatu or whatever it might be so um, we have partners in all of those areas so all of that's uncertain but once we get you know a bit more um, understanding of what things look like then um, we'll let you know about that all Right. so you can be involved by going the second way that you can be involved is by praying Second part of James 15 says this, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Your prayers have great power and produce wonderful results. Your prayers are powerful. They are life-changing. Be praying for local missionaries. Be praying for our local community. Be praying for those wilderness areas that I'm encouraging you to go to. Be praying as the gospel is shouted. Hearts and minds and ears are open to the truth of who God is and the love that he has. Be praying for missionaries and pastors that we support. Be praying for the missions organizations that we partner with. If you want to know what that looks like, here are some. We'll be talking about these during the course of this month. Every month we provide financial support to Thrive Madagascar to Pastor Sagarika in Sri Lanka can I tell you at the moment the situation on the ground in Sri Lanka is absolutely terrible if you don't know about what's going on inflation is running at 40 percent people are lining up for 12 hours to get fuel food is there's very very little food on the ground I talked to Pastor Stephen this week he said and I quote please continue to pray for us the situation is not good probably an understatement. SRE at Morissette High, we pray for the teachers and the resources. Things are getting a little tricky when it comes to SRE at Morissette High right now. But there's a a, um, a new girl that's taken over from Mark, her name is Jessica, and she's doing great things to build connection and to prepare the way so that the gospel can be shared with the students there. Alpha Crucius, Compassion, we've got two kids in Rwanda and Sri Lanka, maybe it's three, I forget. Um, Also Liberty people, Steve and Helen Blake, who are coming on board this year. So we'd love for you to be praying for those people, but also we'd love for you to be praying in terms of our missions giving so that we can support more ministries. Do you know if we could and... I don't think I'd get away with this. But if we could, I reckon I'd spend 100% of our church income on missions. Thankfully, we've got a great board that, you know, put me in my place. But that's where my heart is, and I hope that's your heart as well. All right. And almost like I scripted it this way, the third way that you can be involved in missions is to give. All right, so those organisations, I said, we give monthly support... We also do some one-off giving. Um, So it could be just an annual gift or when a need arises. So um, that's uh, Christian Radio. We recently sent $1,000 to Sri Lanka um, just for some relief funding. Um, So we said, wherever this is needed. Um, And to give you an idea, uh, last time we sent $1,000 to Sri Lanka, it worked out at about 120,000 rupee. This time when I sent it, 260,000 rupee. And that's in less than 12 months. That's how much that has changed. Uh, We also um, are going to fund uh, a feeding program in Vanuatu. So we're gonna spend um, about $1,000 towards milk powder. Uh, We do flood relief. Um, We've given a donation for that for ACCI. Um, Our local missions and local outreach, which um, things like Ministry of Flowers will be funded through that. And then just other needs as they arise. So those are the two kind of things that we do when it comes to um, us as a church. And can I say thank you very much for your generosity? Can I say thank you for sowing into the kingdom of God? Over the last couple of years, roughly about $25,000 has been spent on missions. That's great, isn't it? We should celebrate that. Knowing, however, that there's still a lot to do. There's still a lot of places to go. But I want to say on behalf of our leadership, thank you for sewing in to something that's bigger than yourself, to giving and honoring God with your missions offering and for your obedience in you know, giving what he has asked you to give. Verse 6 says this. His clothes were woven from coarse camel hair and he wore a leather belt around his waist. For food he ate locusts and wild honey. I spent a number of years living like this. Okay, it wasn't camel hair and it wasn't locust, but it can be tough on the mission field. There isn't a lot of resource. And my heart and hopefully your heart is that we would be a church that is generous to our missions partners, that we would generously give to those that we are partnering with. And so... As we get to the end this morning, it leads me to our giving goal for this year. Now, I'm very, very uncomfortable talking about money. I don't like talking about it at all. But I've been challenged on that over the last number of months to speak into that. Because the truth is, you can go, you can pray, and you can give. And I think everyone should be doing all three. To some level so we are hoping to receive twenty thousand dollars for our missions giving this year and that could be monthly giving you might just do what i do and just roll over every year and increase my amount a little bit every month you know we give and then uh, around tax time you know we'll give just a, a one-off into our missions giving so it might be a combination of those i'll leave it up to you to decide but i do want you to be prayerful about it I don't want you just to go, oh yeah, I can give 20 bucks and that's it. I want you to pray. I want you to seek first the kingdom of God. I want you to spend time in his presence and allow the Holy Spirit to talk to you when it comes to giving. And I know very well that money is tight. I mentioned earlier, you know, going to the shops and seeing the crazy price of everything. But the sacrifices that you make to sow into the kingdom of God Result in a fruit, an abundance of fruit for you. I shared this verse last week, Philippians four seventeen. The fruit of your generosity may bring you an abundant reward. I would love an abundant reward. I would love to see an abundant harvest. But it does not happen unless we sow generously. So, I want to encourage you go boldly, pray expectantly, and give generously. Because when we do that, even those that are hiding in the wilderness will hear about the name of Jesus. To hear more podcasts from Grace Church Australia, make sure you subscribe and stay connected by going to gracegathering.online.